Draft Countdown is in full combine prep mode. The USFL held its first ever college football, not its first ever, but first college football draft in its new cycle. And Billy Rossetti of JetsWire is going to join us to talk all things Jets, maybe some Eagles, coming up on the Draft Countdown podcast. Tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge, joined as always by my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 63 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, and 20 seconds away from the 2023 NFL Draft. It's combine time, like you said in the, in the opening. Uh, I've been getting ready. We both have written our preview articles for the combine. I'm taking offense and special teams. You are taking defense. Uh, and yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good one this year, at least from my end, what I was, what I was writing up. So I'm excited. Uh, if you're watching us live on YouTube, uh, drop a question in the chat and we will answer it later in the episode. If you, uh, want to have your draft questions or football questions in general answered on Twitter, send us a tweet at draft countdown. And if you are a member of our discord, ask a question there. If you're not and want to be. Go to draftcountdown.com. Look in the top right corner of the search bar. There's a link to join the Discord there. Shane, uh, nine weeks away, man. It's uh, it's, it's creeping, man. It's creeping up. Oh, we're, we're, we're getting getting close to kind of the next step, right? I mean, it feels like the Senior Bowl was just yesterday. <laughs> I'm sure for you uh, it feels that way. And now we're on to kind of the next step. And and I don't know, the, the Combine is kind of the last big thing for us that we get in terms of the evaluations and, and then it's the rechecks and uh, all the buzz and that kind of stuff coming out. Yeah. I mean, you see pro day numbers trickle out, you know, so we were consistently adding those as well. And it's just, you know, they said the draft nine weeks away, uh, we were discussing off air uh, our plans for our live coverage of the NFL draft. We're going to do it again this year, Shane, Bell to bell, pick one to the last pick. Uh, we're going to go live all three days of the NFL draft. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. We uh, we had a great time with that last year, and we hope everybody uh, pops in there and joins us again, especially all those diehards on day three. Absolutely. Day three is – it's a marathon. I think we wore down last year, uh, but I, I'm, I'm trying to build up the stamina a little bit this time to, to pump right through day three be ready to go. So as I did mention uh, earlier in the uh, in the open, uh, full combine prep mode here for us, Shane. Uh, just 
I know you've got, we both, like I said, we both got our previews up uh, or not up, but they will be up uh, this weekend. Uh, I think you've got the offense going up Saturday and I'll have the defense uh, going up on Sunday. What I look forward to or look forward to last year for sure was you did 40 predictions for every single uh, player that's at the combine. Now we, we know some aren't going to run and some, you know, probably aren't going to test at all, but it's still fun to kind of to gauge where you think some of these guys and, and why is that important, Shane? You brought it up on Twitter the other day, but tell everybody who listened to the podcast why these 40 predictions are so important for you. I think it's something that's important for draft analysts to do is just try to guess. And, and I, I wish I had time for every combine number because I think it'd be helpful. But basically, if you guess how fast the player is, how fast they're going to time when they actually run the 40, whether it be at the combine or the pro day, you get to compare that to your prediction. And if it's similar, if it's close, then you're like, okay. Um, I, that's where I had this guy. It's how fast I thought he was. So I, I mentioned on Twitter, someone like Devin Achain from Texas A&M, probably going to run the four twos. I, I already know he's probably going to run the four twos, right? So if he runs a four two seven to four three two, I don't have to bump him up my rankings. I had that in. So I think sometimes we see these like big numbers or big RAS score, and you want to move a guy up. Well, I already figured he was going to be that athletic. So and, and the other piece. Um, kind of to it is it tells me to go back and rewatch. If I'm really different on a player from my prediction of what they did, something's wrong there. So I want to go back and watch that player. Did I make a mistake in my prediction? I think he's faster or slower than he actually is. That do I need to you know change my report? Uh, or maybe I, I uh, no, it's, this matches up. This is what I thought it was. Maybe the time's wrong. Bad day. Uh, maybe the, 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 the combine time isn't what uh, I feel is reflective of that player. So Kyron Williams last year, for example, I predicted uh, in my article, he'd run a four, four, eight, he ran a four, six, five. I went back to the tape and I think his quickness kind of deceived me on the long speed, you know? And so I made the adjustment in the ranking. I dropped him down. He wasn't as fast as I thought he would be. And yeah, it does show up on film. I think that's why it's important to, to look at it from that perspective. A change one. I, I'm 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 ready to see him run. Uh, sneaky guy, I think, is also going to run in that running back group. I think he's going to run really fast as Keaton Mitchell. I oh, think yeah. sub four four as well uh, when he gets out there. So that's a couple of guys. Uh, they they've changed the schedule around this year as well, Shane. Where you know the skill players have been running up front almost. I think every year before this year, right and. Mm-hmm. The defenders always go last. Well, this year they realize they know who wants to watch this stuff and who. <laughs> so we put the uh, we put the uh, offensive skill players on the weekend now. Uh, so we're going to start with defensive line and linebackers, and that will include your edge rushers, interior defensive line, and off-ball linebackers. Will all be uh, go on Thursday, and on Friday we're going to get the defensive backs, corners, and safeties. Saturday it's quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. And then Sunday will be uh, running backs and offensive linemen. So well, uh, we're going to have to wait all the way until Sunday to see if uh, Devin A-Chain can challenge that John Ross record. Because I, <laughs> I, I think A-Chain's going to be the fastest guy at the combine, all positions. 
Yeah, I, I tend to lean that way too. We'll see when I, when I kind of go through the players and go through the list because I think there's definitely you – know, we always have some corners that are pretty fast, but I think it's going to be that running back group. Um, we'll have some receivers that are pretty fast too, but I, I'm with you. I think it is a chain – it is an interesting change to the schedule there. Um, I guess it makes sense for TV ratings. that People, people want to watch the quarterbacks, the receivers, and the running backs, and – uh, the tight ends and those guys more so than the defensive linemen, the linebackers. I'm sure it's going to hype up those numbers a bit. Yeah. One change from last year. We will not be live uh, broadcasting uh, all the days of the combo. We will not be doing that this year. Uh, we tried last year and you talk about a marathon that we gave out on that. We, we didn't have it, Shane. We, we, <laughs> We had to tap out on that. It was, so, it was so few and far between for commentary too, especially with yeah. what you don't get to see everything. They, they cut away. We got commercials. You come back and you're missing numbers. You're catching up. You don't see all the drills. They're switching. It just wasn't, uh, wasn't effective or efficient to do. Yeah. I took your advice and on my defensive uh, position piece, I, I predicted who would run the fastest 40 amongst each of uh, amongst our position groups, edge, defensive line, linebacker, corner, and safety. I, I didn't split it up amongst the groups that they have there. Um, so I'll, let's get a spoiler alert here, Shane. I'm curious to see if if who you think will be the fastest corner matches up with who I think is going to be the fastest corner. Ooh, it's a good question. Um, I, don't, I I haven't really thought about this yet. So <laughs> sorry to put sure. you on the spot. No, I know you're putting me on the spot. There. I, I, I am going with Riley Moss from Iowa. Oh, okay. Probably not who I would have guessed. So I, I, I don't, I don't think we would have lined up there. But I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure who, who I'm, who I'd put, um, who I'd put at the top of that though. Well, when is, when is your, when is your, uh, predictions coming out? Right next week. So I'm, I'm starting, I started some of the offensive stuff and okay. then, this weekend, we'll all be so we'll all have to wait, uh, yeah. and, and see who, who's the fastest corner is going to be. And Shane probably doesn't think it's going to be Riley Moss, and it probably no, won't be because no. I, I, I know as little about I know a lot less about this than what Shane does. So, uh, yeah, I don't I, think Sterling Thomas got an invite, he would have been my pick if he got an invite, but I don't think he did. I, so. uh, yeah, so all right. It's enough of that. Let's talk. Let's talk some NFL draft with our guest tonight. He is the editor of Jets Wire and good buddy of the show. Great seeing him at the Senior Bowl again, as always. He is our good friend Billy Rossetti. Billy, man, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you, buddy. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. How you guys doing? We're doing good, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, glad we could take you away from whatever country music concerts you were probably going to attend tonight <laughs> with, with, without this. Yep, I already won down. <laughs> it just had one about a week ago. Man, what man is living that life? All right, yeah, let's just well. cut. Let's just cut right to the chase here, man. <laughs> Two part question for the Jets: Is Zach Wilson done, and is Derek Carr going to be the quarterback of the Jets? <laughs> opening opening week one opening uh i i don't think wilson's fully done with the jets i think they still want to keep him uh you know they've been saying they want to keep him they want to develop him so we'll see how truthful they are um 
as far as their cargoes, man, they are really puffing them up, aren't they? I mean, that report that came out over the weekend saying he'll be a you'll be a full first ballot Hall of Famer if you come to New York. It's like let's bump the brakes a little bit. I like their car, but first ballot Hall of Famer. It's like the article I wrote earlier. It feels like an episode of Shark Tank. It's like they're trying to impress like Mr. Wonderful here. Like their cars like Kevin O'Leary and they're just trying to, you know, make it, make him the 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 favorite and it's like you're going after Aaron Rodgers too. So how 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 good do you really have to make Derek Carr feel to almost make him uh, knowing that he's kind of like the the second option because it still feels like Aaron Rodgers is their top option. Um, but I can I could definitely see Derek Carr probably being their uh, their backup plan. It, it seemed like they're going to wait on Rodgers, but man, if they if they don't come away with either of these quarterbacks, then something will have uh, drastically gone wrong unless they feel comfortable with someone like Jimmy Garoppolo or even ryan Tannehill, which would be interesting to see i'm not even sure Derek carr's first ballot fresno state hall of fame <laughs> wow, NFL. wow that, man <laughs> we at least get him in there i mean it's uh geez uh jake so. hater might be taking that spot <laughs> so, so like billy and i go way back to the blog talk radio days about 10 years yeah. ago I, I i still call you bill i don't i don't even uh so even the Billy names lost on me, but um, <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about the Jets draft last year and kind of how it lines up for the future as well. One of the, I think the third time in NFL history that we had a team have the offensive rookie of the year in Garrett Wilson and the defensive rookie of the year in Sauce Gardner. Obviously a great draft for Joe Douglas, especially in that first round, but you know, contributors all over the board for the Jets. Um with, with with the quarterback situation still being in flux, you know, do you do you think Douglas is viewed like like he he is this you know great GM is the leash really long? If the quarterback situation doesn't get fixed, um, is, is there any trepidation about how the Zach Wilson pick and how he handled that, or is that kind of wiped under the rug now because of the great draft last year? Yeah, and first, yeah, like you said, you know. Uh, like Shane said, him and I go way back, so it's really great to get a chance to to talk to you, man. It was like one of yeah. the first guests that uh, that I got to talk to back on the the good old days of Jim Day, the old good old fantasy Taz, <laughs> our boy. That was uh, those are some good times. Um, as far as uh, Joe Douglas goes, uh, I really feel like this is a a make or break season for him. I think even with you know the great draft in twenty twenty two. The Zach Wilson thing obviously is going to sting, and there have been some, you know, other drafts that haven't really panned out, uh, you know, for one reason or another. I mean, you go back to like Makai, uh, Makai Becton, you know, you obviously can't project injuries like that, but the fact now is that he's played one game in two seasons, and you're coming up to uh, his fifth year option is due, which my guess is they're probably going to decline. I don't think they're going to guarantee that much money, and you know, you, you don't know how healthy his knee is going to be going forward. So I really think that if the Jets don't make the playoffs this year, I think they're probably going to clean house. I think Douglas is going to be gone and Saul is going to be gone. I mean, especially with JD, you know, this is, uh, you know, technically his fifth year uh, with the Jets, his fourth, it'll be his fourth draft with the Jets, and he still hasn't had a winning record. And I know a lot of fans are getting very frustrated with him it definitely feels like you know they're more on the side of 
he needs to show a little more consistency, let's say, with with some of these picks. 2022 definitely helped, but I think fans want more to kind of, um, you know, almost wipe out, as we'll say, say like the, the 2020 draft in uh, a little bit of 2021, which, you know, weren't exactly uh, the greatest, save for, you know, maybe a, a couple players. So, yeah, I definitely think, you know, going hard after the quarterback here and, you know, th- this is a bit, this is a big off season for them. This is really, you know, this, this is their win now mode. It's, and it's been a while for them. So yeah, this is, this is, this is going to be a fun off season for me. My first off season covering the jets. And it's like, Oh boy, here we go. Right, you mentioned Makai Becton and the injuries. Does that put offensive tackle in play like front and center? Uh, at the top of the draft board for the Jets or maybe another position? Oh, I absolutely think offensive tackles in play uh, in, in the first round. I think the uh, it almost feels like the, the top three players on their board, uh, if even just getting like the fan sense, the three names are the, the top three tackles. I think uh, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, and uh, Broderick Jones. It, it feels like if you give them – a mock that doesn't have an offensive tackle first, they're already going to say, well, this is the worst mock I've ever seen. And I've already kind of <laughs> gone through that. I had a mock where I had Brian Branch as their first pick. Well, they're not taking the safety round one. It's got to be offensive tackle. It's like, yeah, offensive tackle absolutely, I think, is the biggest need. But what if all three of them are gone? Then then what do you do? But, yeah, a- absolutely it's in play because, you know, George Fant's a free agent. He's probably not c- coming back. Probably cutting Dwayne uh, Dwayne Brown, you know, God bless him dealing with that shoulder and he got 12 games out of him, but he's going to be 38 years old. There's no need to have him. I don't even know what it's. uh, That's another interesting contract (laughs) that they uh, they doled out with that two year deal. So he's probably gone. So you you hope you get Becton back, but even still, who's on the other side? Like Max Max Mitchell is fine. I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they can roll him, you know, as a, a 17 game starter. They got to get somebody else out there. And so it's probably going to be gonna, interesting. I just, you know, wrote a piece too, thinking, you know, try to get some convo. Should they go after Taylor Lewan, who, who just got cut? Now, I, you know, do they want to gamble on all that health risk is, uh, is a different story. But yeah, you, you got to figure out the, the bookend because you're probably kicking Veritak of, uh, Vera Tucker back inside. At least you have him if you need him to play outside. But I think preferably they want him inside and try to find a, a steady option outside. Well, let's take us a step further. You mentioned Brian Branch, the safety. What what other needs do you think the Jets have, whether it be Obviously, we're looking at it from a draft perspective. I got to do some mocks still before free agency here. So, you know, what might be some positions that the Jets could look at in the draft or free agency? Um, and, you know, is there is there any other kind of glaring holes? Like, hey, if this isn't filled with a free agent, then we're going to see someone maybe day two. Yeah, we touched on safety a little bit because I don't think Lamar uh, LaMarcus Joyner is coming back. And even Jordan Whitehead really wasn't all that great last season. So uh, safety, I think is a a pretty, pretty good need on defense Uh, linebacker. uh, Probably good need as well. Uh, CJ Mosley is not going to be around forever. Quan Alexander is not going to be around. Uh, uh, Quincy Williams is a free agent and it's really going to be interesting to see how they deal with him 
and uh, Quinn and Williams, if that kind of ends up being almost a package deal, if they give Quinn in his big deal, are they going to have to do something for Quincy? Uh, but I, I think even after that lineback, even with or without Quincy, still going to have some holes there as well. So, uh, so linebacker, I think is definitely need. And then even kicking inside on the offensive line center is probably going to be a big hole because uh, there's a good chance Connor McGovern isn't going to be coming back to the Jets. So you got to fill somebody there. Uh, and I've already started uh, plugging one of my plugging one of my guys in there uh, as far as the Jets go in day two, and that's John Michael Schmitz of Minnesota. I think he'd be a really good fit there uh, in day two. And then wide receiver, I think, a little bit too, because Corey Davis is going to get cut. Braxton Berrios might get cut. Uh, Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims are both coming off disappointing years. So really the only kind of like steady option you have right now uh, is Garrett Wilson. So you kind of need some other guys in there. So I could see, you know, maybe later day two, early day three, I I think you're going to see the Jets take a receiver as well. Well, they only have six picks. So I assume that maybe they'll try to accumulate something somewhere, but that brings me to the next question. I was just looking at over the cap and currently it says the Jets are in the hole about a quarter million dollars. So uh, you mentioned Mosley and guys like that uh, or guys like him, maybe Carl Lawson. Are we, are we looking at some more cap cuts here coming? Oh, ab- absolutely. And, and Carl Lawson, I think, is a really interesting one because, you know, he was arguably their second best uh, edge rusher or second best defensive lineman, I should say, behind, of course, uh, Quinn and Williams. And Carl Lawson, you know, really, this was kind of his first full offseason with the Jets because he had the Achilles issue uh, in 2020, uh, in 2021. And he comes back and he gets seven sacks. But now you're talking still, he's about 30 years old and he's due $15 million. That That's a tough, it's, it's a really tough call. Um, you know, do they try to work something out with that contract? Maybe kick some of that money down the line. I, I think it's, he's probably the most fascinating uh, cap decision that, uh, that I think the Jets have. I mentioned Corey Davis. I, I think that's an easy cut because he's like, I think 10 and a half million something like that and he was banged up last year had uh you know he started off pretty good and then kind of tailed off in, in the second half of the season so i don't think the jets are going to pay him 10 and a half million so he's an easy cut barry else still either at the very least they'll probably do a pay cut with him uh but i could see it see them just moving on completely from him so there's going to be some ways for them to um uh to get some some cap flexibility as well especially knowing that like like we meant like we talked about with Quinton Williams. I mean that's going to be a big number that they have to that they have to come up with, and obviously the quarterback position. I mean you get Ter- Derek Carr, you're talking what thirty seven million a year, something like that. So I, I think the Jets are in a an interesting position, but I think there's definitely some ways that they, uh, you know, a couple of easy ways they can they can maneuver to to get some cap flexibility, but it's going to be really fascinating. But like I said, Carl Lawson, I think is really going to be the, uh, the intriguing one to, to see what they do. Uh, between Lawson and Davis, they could save 25 million against the cap with only a 1 million dead, mm-hmm. dead money hit. So those are probably the two prime candidates, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I would absolutely agree with that. And like I said, I, you know, Lawson, you know, he, he was really productive and it's going to be hard to, 
you know, because it's like, how do you replace, I guess, seven sacks? But they really like Jermaine Johnson. Uh, Michael Clemens, I thought, played pretty well as a rookie. And Bryce Huff, who, you know, is, I, th- I think, a restricted free agent himself. I'd l- I want to see him get more snaps. I-, I know they seem to like giving him his limited option and kind of be like a pass rush specialist. But I really think you have something here with Huff that, you know, if they do cut loss, and I don't think it's the end of the world on the, on the defensive line, especially with the way they like to rotate a lot of these guys, too. Now, look, Billy, you, you're you're an Eastern PA guy. You were uh, you're actually you're, you're wearing the Hazelton area shirt. Well, where I student taught, by the way, that's where I did my student teaching. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, at at Hazelton area high school. Um, so you are an Eagles fan uh, outside of the Jets here. So I I have to ask because I I, I want to keep mocking it, but I feel like Howie Roseman won't do it. Maybe you can you, you can you can help me out. Is is there a chance? That the Eagles take either B. John Robinson at 10 or Jameer Gibbs at 32 or 31. Is there a chance that they take a running back in the first round? Oh, I absolutely think there's a chance. I'm in fact, I'm almost expecting it. <laughs> All right, look, I'll take that. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm almost ready. Listen, I've I've been going back and forth on the Eagles. Uh taking B. John Robinson at number 10. Obviously, you know, great prospect, but I'm still trying to talk myself into them using the number 10 overall pick, but I'm, I'm almost expecting, I'm, I'm almost expecting, you know, it, it, it to happen one way or the other, whether it's, whether it's Bijan at 10 or, or Gibbs at 30, because, you know, I, I could see them letting Miles Sanders walk in, in free agency. I, I know he really wants to come back to Philly, but you know, they have so many other free agency needs, obviously, you know, at the very least, they're probably going to tag Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and that's going to be a good chunk of money. You know, and you have some other guys that you got to, you know, try to take care of or figure out as well. Javon Hargrave, see what uh, see what they do with him. So, yeah, I'm almost ready for for that scenario to happen for B for Bijan Robinson to become an Eagle in a couple months. It'd be wild. I'd, I'd be here for it. I just need to find. I need to find a good spot for him, and that feels so so good if they don't bring back Sanders. So thank you for <laughs> next mock. I'm Bijan at ten. That's what's happening. It is crazy too, because I mean he's a name you're seeing like all over the first round. I mean it feels like that's kind of like his ceiling, but then you see some mocks where he falls all the way to like the twenty-five to thirty range. So it's like you know you're right. He's one of those players that's like where do you fit him? He's such a good player, but you know, who's, who's going to pull the trigger. So that's going to be so fun to watch, especially with, you know, a bunch of other, some of these other running backs, like, you know, like Gibbs. Uh, we, we saw, of course, you know, a guy like uh, Tajay Sharp at, at the senior bowl. You know, so there's, there's a lot of good guys. So Bijan's going to be so fascinating in this first round. He should be drafted in the second round with every other running back. <laughs> but, uh, Realistically speaking, they don't take Bijan at ten. Uh, is is the interior defensive line spot? Despite that, they went with Jordan Davis high last year. They're gonna they could lose Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, and Dominic Sue, Linval Joseph. All these guys are probably gone. You know they have Milton Williams still, who I loved in twenty one yeah. as a prospect, uh, and Jordan Davis. But is that is that maybe the most likely spot they go? Somebody like maybe a Brian Breezy or you know, somebody else like that. 
I, I could see Breesy. Absolutely. You know, I, I think for me, it's, it's two positions. If it's, you know, not going to be running back. Uh, I think it's defensive line, whether it's inside or outside. So, you know, could be Breesy. I could see Tyree Wilson, uh, you know, some of these other guys or cornerback, I, I think. And then, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to talk myself into uh, Devin Weatherspoon. And, and I like Christian Gonzalez too. But, you know, I went and watched Witherspoon a little bit, too, again, just uh, just a little bit ago. Man, he, he's fun to watch. <laughs> he's such a good player. And I think he would fit the Eagles uh, so well. And, and they're going to need, I think, a number two corner because Bradbury's probably not going to back, not coming back. If they find a way to get Bradbury back, I'll be, you know, number one, the fan of me will be very happy that they get Bradbury, but I'll be stunned uh, if it happens. So they're, I, I think they're going to need somebody opposite Slay. And I think either of those cornerbacks, or really there's a number of cornerbacks. I've seen Joey Porter Jr. Uh, mock there a little bit too. So I think there's you know, a lot of a lot of these top corners. Uh, or, you know, they could go D-line at 10, take someone like Breesey and someone like Deontay Banks or Cam Smith, someone like that at 30. I, I think that would be almost the ideal scenario is to get one of these top D linemen and then one of these uh, top corners, and especially corner because, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, and I'm you know, starting to agree with them, corner, this corner class is so deep and it, it's so good. So there's a lot of a lot of good guys that you can go with. So if, if they don't take one at 10, they can easily go, you know, at number 30 or even round two because then they still have, I think, you know, round two and round three with uh with with all these good corners so I, I think they're in a good position even with not having a lot of uh day three picks last question to shane uh you're going you're going to the combine bill what, what are you excited what are you excited to see i know you're going to be repping there again this year and uh i'm excited to follow your coverage so what's what anyone you're most excited to interview uh to see experience I appreciate that, Shane. Thank you. Yeah, uh, excited to be at the Combine, fourth year going there. Uh, just the entire experience as a whole for me is fun. You know, just getting a chance to talk to some of these players and uh, some of these coaches. Now, I found out, you know, we got the schedule uh, as far as like with the Jets. Uh, uh, Joe Douglas is going to be talking to the media, but. Robert Sala, I guess, either isn't going or isn't talking, whatever. So we'll at least hear from JD, uh, but not from Sala. Uh, these new coaches, it'll be interesting to pick their brain a little bit. And then, you know, some of these other players, you know, if I get a chance to talk to like Sharp after his senior bowl performance, I think that'll be that'll be really cool. Uh, but just in in general, like just the whole experience and, you know, some of the stories that, uh, that, that come out of it, like last year, like, you know, those that uh, don't follow me, if, if you see me on Twitter, I have uh, got big timed by Lovey Smith <laughs> in my name because um, if, you know, if you heard there was uh, some people may have talked about how Lovey Smith got a question of the, uh, the covered, kind of like the re-rise of cover two last year, like two high defenses. Well, I was the one that asked him that, I, you know, because it was, you know, we're coming off the rise of like the Brandon Staley's of the world and, and people like that. So I asked Lovey Smith his thoughts and he goes, 
did you say two high uh two high safeties i said yeah he goes do you know who i am (laughs) (laughs) but then fortunately i was able to i actually talked to him in the hallway after his uh after his press conference as well and he was really kind enough to chat with me a little bit and give his thoughts on why cover two even went away uh in in the first place and how he's how he was happy that uh it was coming it was kind of uh, making its return. So that was really cool. Brandon Staley was really cool to talk to as well. So it's really cool to get to talk to some of these coaches, uh, especially like kind of if you're able to catch them outside of, uh, outside of these press conferences. Zach Taylor is another one that's been like so cool to talk to over these years. Well, Billy, man, we appreciate you taking the time to come on with us tonight. Talk Jets, talk Eagles, talk Combine. It's, it's been very great to hear, and we all love following your coverage. But uh, tell everybody listening or watching this podcast right now uh, where they can follow your coverage at and uh, how, how to get there. Yeah, thanks. Thank you guys so much. It was uh, awesome to talk to you guys again. You two are uh, two of my favorites on here. Yeah, follow me on Twitter. It's just my name, at Billy underscore Setti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. A lot of my work over at Jetswire now, so it's definitely going to be a, a fun off season. Those those, uh, those are really the the main spots. Yeah, I'll be hopefully doing a lot of tweeting uh, from Indianapolis next week and uh, try to catch up with some of these players. And should be a, a fun week. So I'm definitely excited to be to be back in Indy next week. Well, we, uh, like I said, we look forward to that coverage. And it was like I said, it was great seeing you, uh, in Mobile again this year. And, uh, you too, guys. Look forward to seeing you again next year. And, uh, look forward to seeing all that content coming out of the combine next week. Uh, Billy Rossetti, everybody from Jetswire, uh, joining us tonight. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate Good to you talk guys. To you, man. Thank you. Good stuff there from the Jetswire. Editor Billy Rossetti there, and uh, anything uh, stand out to you that he that he had to say there, Shane? No, it was, it was great. I mean, I love the breakdown of uh, uh, you know of the Jets' needs too. I think was was huge because they are they are a team with you know, the offensive line woes and some of the the defensive woes. It feels like it feels like the Jets are kind of complete. I like he broke down some of those positions. Um, we'll, we'll see what that quarterback position goes. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I won't get into it. I, I don't think Derek Carr's the worst, the worst idea. So I'm 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 here for it. Yeah, I uh I saw someone tweet today said I'm not doing another Jets mock draft until I see what happens with the quarterback position. <laughs> and, and and it's fair. I mean, that's a fair that's a fair thing to do because that is the catalyst for everything that's gonna follow uh the New York Jets this offseason. So Anxious to see where that goes, and it, it's going to affect our mock drafts too, right? I mean, oh yeah, because what if they don't get anybody? Then all of a sudden they're in play at quarterback, right? So, yeah, yeah, because you got you got to do something. So it's uh, and that's for that goes for all these teams. Well, we're I think we're going to see massive changes, um, and that's why mock drafts, especially this early, are just about possibilities. A lot for me is helping me in the process of evaluating players and draft capital and, you know, kind of where these players are going to go. Then once, once free agency happens, now we start to really look at the teams and the team needs a lot more. You know, you mentioned uh, Carr, Rogers, and Jimmy Garoppolo. One name he didn't mention, I wish I would have asked him about, was a potential maybe trade for Lamar Jackson. <laughs> you know, ha- having, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've heard that I've heard that bandied about on the Twitter. I don't know how seriously I take it, though. 
but uh, but he is another name that could be moving and and that will have an effect on the draft and how many you know first round picks the Ravens end up with. It's like I didn't think Russell Wilson was getting traded last last season, so you never know. You never know, but I, never I'll, know. I'll be surprised. I'll be. I will too. I think he's going to stay in Baltimore. I think that was the whole point of hiring Todd Munkin. To be honest, yeah. was was to keep him there. Shane, uh, you mentioned on Twitter last week, and I wanted to talk about it on last week's show, but we just ran out of time. Uh, you've gone back and you've been hitting that tape on some guys getting caught up, maybe maybe looking back at some other guys. So who, who are some of these names that, you know, you've kind of taken a shining to uh, post-Senior Bowl and, and after the season? Well, basically I looked at the, the combine list and wanted to kind of do some better work on some of the – lower end combine guys that I felt like I didn't know um, quite as well. And so I have a list on Twitter back from the 14th, if you want to see the whole list, but there, there definitely was some, um, some that we've seen in all-star games and things that, I, you know, had, had a good weeks, whatever um, running back wise, the Eric Prince, the running back out of Tulsa uh, impressed me more than I remember in terms of his, his kind of speed and athleticism. So he was impressive um, offensive line wise, uh, John Ojiku from Boise State. Uh, I actually really liked his kind of strength and reach. He, he was a lot longer than I had written, kind of written down. I don't know what what I missed. It's just, I don't know if you've gone through that, Brad. Sometimes you have guys you go back and rewatch, or you like you see the combine. You're like, why did I write that? Like, what was what was my state of mind when I was watching this game? Right, that happens. Um, I think he was definitely one where I, I didn't have him as much of anything, I went back and watched it and I was like, oh, you know, he's, he's a decent day three type of player um, that, you know, that's interesting. One, one name that really popped for me was Jalen Graham, the linebacker out of Purdue. I was really impressed with him and some of the sideline to sideline abilities, big um, I, downhill attacking in the run game. He was someone that I didn't super have on my radar. That was impressive. Um, and then and two secondary guys, real quick, Miles Brooks from Louisiana Tech, who I think we've mentioned in passing, are you up to me? Um, and, I mean, I mean, super good kind of jam cover corner, really natural mover. And uh, Jordan Howden, the safety from Minnesota, uh, really commanded some of that defense in the passing game a lot more than I initially had thought, um, being able to watch kind of everything and see – how he he kind of seemed to be kind of calling the plays, the formations, getting the guys adjusted, and then you know he was kind of that center fielder that shut down some of the deep deep passes and deep plays. Really, all like always in position, always where he should be. Uh, super interesting, maybe special teams guy too at the next level. So a couple names going back and rewatching that maybe you see at the combine. You're like I've never heard of this guy. Um, now, now now you know. You know, you mentioned uh, Jalen Graham, the linebacker. Purdue that reminds me of a couple couple of years ago with Derek Barnes, their linebacker, and that guy, man, just came out almost came out of nowhere to me. And I'm like, man, he's a stud. Ends up going third round of the Lions. I don't know how much success he's had so far in his NFL career. But uh, you mentioned Miles Brooks, and when I saw that, I went and watched Miles Brooks, and he went up my rankings uh, big after that. I didn't have him at all, and uh, I moved him up a great deal. Uh, on my board as well. And it seems like Louisiana Tech, for a program that's not the best program, seems like they have at least one guy every year that we end up talking about in the NFL draft. I mentioned Milton Williams uh, when we had Billy on. That was a guy I was I had a, a, a 25th overall on my board uh, two years ago. Yeah. So it's 
Louisiana Tech, man. Yeah. Got a couple players there. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty pretty good. Worth worth maybe uh, I feel I feel like I'm always late on those guys. I gotta be yeah. get on Louisiana Tech more, you know. Well it's they're in conference USA and their television coverage sucks. Yeah, so it's like fair. but that's gonna change this year, Shane, because they've adopted the Mac philosophy this year. Don't know if you saw that or not. I did not. But, no, uh, that's exciting. And, so November we have the midweek matching. Well, this year, October, we're going to have midweek Conference USA. We got to get a catchy name for it. Uh, but uh, October this year, they're going to all of their conference games are going to be played during the week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I, I love that. I I think more teams should do it. It just breaks it up. It's always nice to have that game on and split up the scouting a little bit. I feel like I get extra games, and I feel like I watch more Mac than. So some of the bigger conferences sometimes because they're not on the same time. Well, so. you're watching all those guys early in the season too. You, you know, you know the midweek match is coming later in the year, so you don't bother watching them at all. Right, uh, that's fair. That's fair too. <laughs> Shane, we had something interesting take place yesterday. Uh, the USFL uh, Spring League came back last year, uh, resurrected from uh, the '80s. Uh, they had a college player draft yesterday, and it was players that are eligible to be drafted in the NFL this year. They went, was it 10 rounds, uh, 80 players drafted. Um, what was your takeaway from this? Because, I mean, there was a handful of guys I think we both agree will be high NFL draft picks and probably no way they're going to play in the USFL anytime soon. But uh, there's there's a lot of either fringe draftable or um, – you know, priority for the agents that were selected here that I think very well could end up on USFL rosters next year. It, it, it was it's such an interesting draft. I was live tweeting for the draft countdown account for the first couple rounds as they took guys. Cause I, you know, you and I talked about, we had no idea how this was going to go. Like, are they going to take bottom end of the draft? Definitely maybe not make a camp players or are they going to take drafted guys that are going to get drafted and hope you know, they flame out or uh, something happens in, in two or three years. Um, and and so it was interesting to see because I think a lot of it depended on the team. It depended on some strategy because um, some teams were like um, New Orleans, New Orleans breakers. They went they went hard at, uh, to me, NFL players. You know, maybe not all of them drafted, but I think they took a couple guys that will get drafted. Uh maybe even upwards of three or four. And then they took a lot of guys that are going to be high priority free agents. I mean, their first round pick was Tyler Scott receiver out of Cincinnati. I haven't dated in the second round. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I was like, well, and a lot, then I'm arguing with people on Twitter that they're like, well, that means he must means he suck. No, I don't think it means he sucks. I think it means that for the breakers, if he's smaller, he's faster, he would crush this league. If he flames out, you know, we'll take him in two, three years. Right. Um, whereas some teams were taking guys that I don't think had have will even sniff a camp. Um, and, and so, you know, especially in the later rounds, um, small school players, you know, the, the Pittsburgh Maulers drafted a local kid, uh, Traquan Dorsey out of St. Francis. He's not gonna, he's not gonna go to the NFL. So it, there were some different strategies, maybe different rounds. Some mixed it up a little bit. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but, but it's interesting to see because, most of these players are not going to be – they're not. They're definitely not playing this year. They're all prepping for the draft, the NFL. And then 
you know, if they don't make it year one, they get cut, they can't find a team. Now you're, you know, you're hoping they come in next year. Yeah. You mentioned Pittsburgh, uh, Drafting Lindsey Scott, quarterback. I like that. Uh, he's a player I actually yeah. think could be benefit from playing in this league from Incarnate yes. Word. Uh, and they drafted his teammate, Taylor Grimes, a receiver. Smart. Uh, I look, smart, smart to do, right? Like as they also drafted Isaiah Land. I think we both think he's going to play in the NFL. Um, just it was it was interesting. You mentioned New Orleans. They also drafted Keaton Mitchell, a running back from East Carolina, a guy we talked about as potentially just going sub four three in the 40. Uh, at the combine, so it was interesting to see. You know what? The, my biggest takeaway from this was, though, Shane, not the players that were drafted, and it's the fact that you're doing this with, and you're drafting guys that you're trying to hold their rights. You know, for in the USFL for you know multiple could be years down the road. It tells me they think that their league is sustainable to last that long, and that's a positive to me because with this league, with the uh, XFL, which we're going to talk about in a second, um, there is enough players to sustain, you know, talent to sustain these leagues in the spring and, and the CFL as well. But they can only take so many American players, right, in, in the CFL. So, but with these two leagues, there's enough players to sustain that. The NFL needs these leagues to develop offensive linemen, quarterbacks, you know, to have kickers and punters and, and holding there, so to speak, guys like that, you know, develop, you know, they, some of these guys need development and, you know, to, for, to make back of the roster NFL guys, I, I'm all for it. And I hope that that's what this means is they think that their league is going to survive for, you know, three, four, five years. Uh, which is great. I think it gives you a long-term plan of action to know that you may have some players in as a backup, if they come out, I mean, you can even see that in the strategy a bit. The Philadelphia Stars, five of their first seven picks were all offensive linemen. They, they were just taking offensive linemen. And probably hoping that, that in a year or two, none of them were like super standouts. I mean, Earl Bostic from Kansas, I think, was a combine invite player um, of that group. But hoping that in a year or two, we, we can toss these players in. And that's going to be positions tough to fill. At some of these smaller levels, you—that's a great point. And one of those offensive linemen they drafted was a guy I starred to go back and watch. And the guy assuming is South Florida offensive tackle Demontre Jacobs. I starred him to go back and watch because of his weigh-in. I mean, the, the guy's got a, over eleven-inch hands, thirty-seven-inch arms. His wingspan is huge. I mean, he's, he was, you know, nearly as big as Dewan Jones. You know, as far as wingspan and, and length goes. But I haven't. I didn't watch a lot of South Florida tape, so it's a guy I want to go back and look at. But if he's not ready, like say for the NFL, which he may not be, he's probably not going to be drafted. But if he can go to the USFL and you know use that length and dominate, you know, hey, getting a camp the next year, you know, something like that could work out. Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. It's and I don't know it was cool like seeing Birmingham draft Malik Cunningham from Louisville, the quarterback, Darius Davis, the receiver from TCU, draft the speed, athleticism. And to me, I'm like, I know both those guys are going to play in the NFL. I kind of want them to play in the USFL. I'd love to see Malik Cunningham just out there running around. He would tear it up and be, be a lot of fun. Uh, Malik Cunningham would be could be playing professionally an hour from uh, where he played his high school football. In yeah, there you go. There you go. 
So uh, the other spring league that opened up this week, this past weekend, the XFL, uh, their third attempt at this. Uh, the first one lasted a year. Um, the second one lasted what six weeks. Uh, COVID kind of killed that one. Uh, so we're back for the third go around this time owned by uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his uh, business partner, Danny Garcia, and somebody else who was with them all weekend whose last name I can't remember. But uh, they – I thought the games were fun. I, I'll say this. I watched a good bit of all four games, and I thought the games were well played for the most part. Uh, and the exciting – I think the best thing about the XFL is some of the rules they have in place. I And I would love to see major football adopt, to be honest. But uh, yes. especially the the, the after-point conversion, Shane. Did you, did you like the three-point from the 10-yard line? I love that. I love that. I love it, I love man. It. That's awesome. That's, that's uh, for those that didn't watch the games, uh, after there's there are no extra points, no, no kick extra points in the XFL. You can go for one point from the two-yard line, uh, two points from the five and three points from the 10. It was good stuff. And that let St. Louis come back from a 12 point deficit to win, you know, by three at the end, because they also don't have onside kicks. But if the game, if you were trailing or tied in the fourth quarter, you can attempt a one play fourth and 15 from your own 25. And if you pick it, it up, you get the ball. If not, the yeah. other team gets the ball. It's great. I love that, and uh, that's another rule I could see. And their kickoff rule is pretty good, too, I think. So, you know, if nothing else, I'd love to see rules uh, from the XFL adopted. Not, not, to, not to pick another one, but I love the, the replay system and yes. having the transparency of, like, hearing what, what is happening. Like, how, how do we not have that, right, in, in, in the NFL? But it, it was fun. And it I also makes it quicker. Right, right. You, I mean, it, it was compared to some of the NFL replays. It was like you, you see what's happening, or at least if it's not as quick, you know why they're trying to do the down and the distance and figure it out, right? So, I mean, that was great. Yeah, I watched the, the St. Louis San Antonio game with Bruce Gradkowski, the offensive coordinator for St. Louis, the family friend. So it was nice to see his team get that, uh, that, that comeback win there, like you talked about. And A.J. McCarron trying to get back in there. You know, hey, good for him. He, good, look, good, he's not bad. Good for, good for the Mobile native AJ McCarron. There, just glad he's not quarterback for Cincinnati anymore. Uh, moving on, Daniel Jeremiah released his uh, second mock draft this week, Shane, and I took some notes. And there's some wild stuff in here, man. Uh, Jalen Carter, first overall pick. That's might actually be the most sane thing I saw in his mock draft. To be honest, that, that wouldn't shock me. Edge one. Tyree Wilson over Will Anderson. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's wild. Uh, I mean, I think I don't think it's as crazy, right? I, because I am. You and I have had Will Anderson number one player wire to wire. We will continue to. Last year we had Kayvon Thibodeau, and he ended up getting taken over. I think Will Anderson obviously a much better prospect, but Tyree Wilson's a very different player. He, he's he's more of that traditional four three base end. He's got the the size. Will Anderson, like Von Miller, kind of a stand up pass rusher. I'd still be surprised if it happens. I imagine it's not the last time we hear about it though. Four offensive tackles in top seventeen wasn't really surprising to me. Um, if you're a Bengals fan, that's concerning, right? Because if that's a place you're looking at, you know, one of those you're probably not getting getting a guy in the first round. 
if that happens. Uh, four quarterbacks in round one. Uh, Bryce Young to Houston, C.J. Stroud to Indy, Will Levis to Las Vegas. And as Jeff Risden said a couple weeks on our show, Anthony Richardson to Detroit with their second first-round pick at pick 18, Shane. It'd be wild. Uh, I I'd be a little I'd be a, I'd be a little surprised. Like I have Anthony Richardson much lower. I'm sticking to my guns at least for a little while longer that he's not going to be a first round pick. Uh, and I think the Lions are a team that has been utilizing a little more of the advanced analytics in terms of evaluating prospects. I don't know if Anthony Richardson is going to fit that. Doesn't mean they won't draft him. They drafted some players that don't fit that, but. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised, but that eight, I think that 18 feels better than some people having them nine to Carolina. Uh, last thing on Jeremiah's mock draft, uh, Bijan Robinson, 19 to Tampa Bay, Shane, would you like that fit fantasy perspective? I, I would, I am a Rashad white fan, so it would hurt. I think Rashad white who had a good season when Leonard Fournette kind of slowed down there, but, I think it's an ideal spot for a pretty good interior offensive line. Bijan run first offense and let, uh, let Bijan run it and Kyle Trask just, you know, not turn it over and see what happens. I'd like it. All right. We got a lot of questions, Shane. So let's get to them here. A couple on Twitter, both from at I bleed green 24 underscore seven. Uh, first question from him is, uh, who were the top five corners in this draft, uh, specifically looking for one for Philadelphia? We probably should ask Billy this, to be honest. Well, he kind of yeah. t- he kind of touched on it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did hit on, especially those first-round guys, because I think, you know, guys that, that fit any scheme, Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon. I, I think Joey Porter maybe needs a more specific scheme. I think you want some press man coverage if you're going to take him. Um in my, in my opinion. So I like Gonzalez Witherspoon. Uh, I would say Cam, your, your guy, Cam Smith from South Carolina, I think could fit almost anywhere. And then um, I probably go Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi state. I think could fit anywhere. And I like all those for the Eagles as well. Uh, his other question was uh, Darnell Wright uh, off to tackle from Tennessee, who I had going to the Bengals in my Cincinnati Bengals mock draft today. In round one, uh, he wants to know if Darnell Wright could play right guard early on, and uh, then kick out to right tackle, maybe down the road. I mean, I, you could do it. You could do a Tyler Smith situation. I don't think that benefits Darnell Wright enough. Like, I don't think he's in that kind of raw space where, like, okay, we we gotta wait to have him play tackle. Uh, I assume speaking for the Eagles yet again, where maybe they don't need someone to replace Elaine Johnson right now. Right. But if, if you draft Arnell, right, you have him play guard immediately where you have an opening and then maybe you can kick out the tackle. It could happen. Uh, he probably would be outside of Peter Skaronsky. I think, I think Darnell Wright is probably the best option uh, of those potential first round offensive tackles to do that though. I almost think I'd, I'd, I'd rather maybe trade off of 30, and maybe try to grab Cody Mock or something early in round two, if that was my plan. Yeah, you might. Hey, you might have to take Cody Mock and in, in, at thirty. Maybe, maybe. Uh, in the Discord, uh, 
Pig Bird Jet Fan asks, and this is all Shane all the time question right here. Uh, in a dynasty rookie draft, Shane, uh, what do you need to part with 101? And I assume that's because you're taking B. John Robinson at 101. So what are you going to have to get to not take B. John Robinson? Man, it, it, it would be a lot. I mean, it, it's a lot. I have um, – I, I traded for – what ended up becoming the 101 in one league uh, last off season. So that feels good. And I was just thinking, what would it take? What would it take even to move down one pick, right? Move down to the 102. Probably, you're probably taking Jameer Gibbs at that point. I, I would probably need three first rounders. I need the 102, a 24 first, and may, you know, maybe an early, maybe the 202 and an early second as well. Even then, I'm like, eh, I kind of just want to take Bijan. You know, uh, it's it, especially if you're not playing super flex, you're not starting two quarterbacks. So Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are out of the picture. It's just, just keep the one on one. Just, just draft Bijan. You'll, you'll be happy. The value will be good. You can always trade him later if you get concerned about uh, how he holds up. Well, there you go. Uh, we got a, a few questions in the comments section. Uh, not a question, but a statement. Uh, Tommy must be new here. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what to say about that. If yeah, yeah. Right, Brian is definitely a Bengals fan. He wears that on the sleeve. So, um, but Tommy did have a couple of good questions here uh, in regards to the Tennessee Titans for this one. Uh, with Tennessee releasing Taylor Wan and Robert Woods, uh, will Tannehill also be out the door? Yeah, it seems like they may be. Uh, rebuilding here they may they may be cleaning house well when you fire the gm i think it's usually you fire john robinson so let's let's kind of wipe away his dirty work here right i, I think Tannehill did well for them um it's been one of the best quarterbacks they've had for a while to be honest with you but uh, yeah it's probably time to move on i don't think malik willis is the answer they probably don't think that as well it could be a bridge year for quarterback for them Oh, he knows. <laughs> Everybody knows. Everyone uh, knows. He also uh, has a question talking about Purdue. Where do you think Charlie Jones ends up, and when does he get selected? I feel like maybe I'm a little too high on Charlie Jones because combine could be is going to be the tail here, right? He should do really well. This should be a place where he excels. Uh, but I've had him in the third round here for a little while. Maybe that's a little high. I mean, maybe I should put some of the senior bowl standouts that Jaden reads uh, over him. But I, I do think the combine's going to be a spot where um, where he goes. So I'll I'll say I'll be safe. I'll say early day three, early round four for Charlie Jones. Sizzle, Jones, as we call him. Sizzle. Jones was supposed to be at the senior bowl and an injury. So hopefully he's even able to 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 work out. I guess that's something to, to monitor as well. But he he should have been another one of those guys that popped at the senior bowl because I think he would have had a lot of success a la Jaden Reed, Tank Dell, and uh, Michael Wilson as well. You know, receivers that stood out senior bowl. I think Charlie Jones could have had uh, that kind of week. Uh, last question from Dwayne here. Uh, Do you think the GPS tracker is going to replace the 40-yard dash in the future? I think – uh, that's not a crazy question at all. There are NFL teams now who don't even care about for the 40 yard dash is non-existent to them. I know the Rams are one of those teams, right? They, they strictly use GPS tracking uh, as their metric uh, for speed. And that's why they were higher 
on Cooper Cup, I believe, uh, than other teams were and where they were able to get him in third round and the success he's had because he was very fast, you know, with GPS tracking, but he only ran, what, in the four sixes at the combine. So right. uh, he was able to drop and – that's uh that's how so yeah good question yeah i i don't think the 40 will go away because i think we have such historic data that it's good to, to compare against um teams will want that and the gps tracking in game you know you have to get a guy on a breakaway run too and i think sometimes those aren't built equal so i, I think it'll be good to have both points of data but i do think the gps is probably more accurate it probably is much better at predicting how fast these guys are, like Brian mentioned with Cooper Cup. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't be, I don't think it'd be great for us because I don't know how public that data would end up being. And that that's going to be the problem. Um, but, you know, who, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe they just run it at the combine and use GPS and miles per hour. That'd be fun. Yeah. So. For us, yeah, I mean, we're 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 numbers guys, and if we don't get those numbers, we're not happy. We 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 openly moan about this throughout this process. We don't we don't get testing on guys. We get grumpy. Um, final thoughts, Shane. Uh, we've got one more podcast before the combine starts, and that's that's all we're going to talk about next week, pretty much, unless something uh, trade wise or something breaks. We won't have a guest on next week. We're going to be all combine all the time. Uh, on the show next week, but uh, final thoughts on this episode and anything else. It was great ha having Billy on. And uh, I think, I think it was fun. I I'm kind of ready for the combine to happen myself. So I'll be interested to talk next week and be on the lookout for the, for the articles. We're doing some team mock drafts, you and, and Brad and Miranda have been stepping up and doing that. Uh, so make sure you check those out. If you want your team to be done by, by one of us, then yeah, let us know. Uh, Keep, keep keep tweeting a draft countdown and we'll, we'll make it happen um, at some point. So try that too. Yep, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we're we taking the request line is open. Shane just said, yes, uh, yes. Is, is, is what that is. But yes, uh, I had the Bengals team mock come out today. Uh, we had Miranda had the Packers uh, this past weekend. Uh, Brad will have the lions coming up tomorrow. Um, and then we, we ran a poll this past uh, weekend to see who the next two would be after that. And um, Chicago was the leading vote getter. So Miranda will be uh, have that coming up next week. And Brad will have the Texans uh, team mock coming up as they finish the second. So lots of team mocks coming up. And like I said, if you want to see your favorite team uh, mock draft done, yeah, tweet us at draft countdown. Uh, we, we, we'll take requests. We like, we like getting uh, user feedback. It's always good. But that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the podcast. If you are new to the channel here on YouTube and uh, would like to see more of this content, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and like the videos, and you'll see more of our smiling faces each and every week uh, on the Draft Countdown YouTube channel. Um. If you listen to the audio version of this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast and share that out on your social media platforms as well. That would be a great help to us. Follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Howell. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter 
at Draft Countdown and head to DraftCountdown.com for all of your daily draft needs. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody. 